Hi, this is a message from Life Church Leeds. We hope it encourages and helps you. Last Sunday we spoke about rising up. How many of you remember that? Rising up and confidence and enthusiasm being the faith that we rise up in. And today we want to close it out on the month of January. And uh, because I think sometimes something happens when you begin to rise up. And what you did was you wrote it down on a piece of paper. Many of you, and you put them on this platform. And on Tuesday night, we had a great prayer meeting where we prayed for all of those pieces of paper. And we hope and believe that many of you are beginning to experience some of that rise up in you, whatever it may be. But we're going to um, finish it off today because I think something else comes after you begin to rise up. And that's what we're going to speak about today. So I'm going to read the Bible from Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to read some verses together. Luke, you can finish. Thank you so much, the Welsh wizard. Give Luke a round of applause. Faithful, faithful guy. Amazing. Exodus 3 verse 1 to 15. You can follow along on the screen or you can listen to my beautiful English Shakespearean voice. It says, Now Moses was tending the the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? But when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then God said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honeys. Honey. The home. It's a youth joke. It's a youth joke. The home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Leedsites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. Walk out the door. Don't turn around now. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said, suppose I go to them, but suppose I go and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you should call me from generation to generation. Now we're just going to read a few more verses in, in, in Exodus chapter 4. It's a bit of Bible today, but I hope that's a good thing for you. Moses answered in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 1, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? Then the Lord said, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned it back into the staff in his hand. 
This said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back in your coat. And so Moses put his hand back into his coat. And when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these or listen to them, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech. Then God said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It is, it, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please, please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you and teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if, you, he, as if he were your mouth and as if God were to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. I know that was a bit of Bible, but it helps set some context and I also fulfill your Bible reading for the week. <laughs> I wonder if you've, I want to ask this question this morning to you. Have you ever embarked on a mission <clears throat> that you expected to be plain sailing only to find it the exact opposite. <laughs> Have you ever embarked on something expecting it to be easy, but ex- finding it to be very different? Before me and Abs had children, when we had time on our hands, we, um, <laughs> we went to Scotland one time and decided to climb Ben Nevis. I don't know if any of you have ever climbed Ben Nevis. I thought it was like climbing a little Yorkshire hill. Soon realised that there was more to Ben Nevis than a Yorkshire hill. We were not prepared. We did not have hiking boots. We did not have those sort of, you know, sticks that people use when they climb those places. We didn't have the right clothing. We didn't look like we'd just come out of, you know, a hiking shop. Um, I had a pair of Nike Air Max on and some shorts, a t-shirt and a hoodie. Okay. Abs had pretty much the same on as well. And we had a can of Coke and a Mars bar. And we made a decision to climb Ben Nevis. No idea the height, the scale, the turmoil of climbing Ben Nevis, the rain, the weather changed, the visibility became, you know, it didn't happen. Okay. We saw people halfway up. They were like, you need to come back down. But we kept venturing on. It took us about eight hours to climb Ben Nevis and to come back down. I was like, I thought I've done Snowden before. And at the top of Snowden, there's a cafe and there's also a train. <laughs> that you can come down if you don't have the energy to come back down. But Ben Nevis has none of that. It's a proper climb and I don't like heights. It was a mission that we embarked on that was not as plain sailing as we first thought. And last week we put, many of you wrote things that you want to rise up in and it's almost like you've embarked on a mission. But for some of you, it won't be as plain sailing as you thought. That might be a business, it might be a new job, it might be a health journey that you are on, it might be a new country that you are living in, it might be a new wife that you have. I'm just joking about that. Um, But you embark on a new mission and you think everything's sort of going to be okay, it's almost like going to be a climb Ben Nevis kind of experience, but it's more challenging than you thought. For those of us who fasted last Tuesday, you go into the day thinking fasting is going to be easy. It's only a day or two days or however long you did it. And by like 11 o'clock in the morning, you're like, I can't do this anymore. 
By three o'clock, you're there going, I can't work. I need to go home. This is terrible. It's been six hours without food. But in the morning, you are embarking on this mission thinking, I can do this. I can rise up in this. Quickly, you realize this is harder than I thought. And it's the same thing for Moses as it is for me, as it is for you. The one thing that we have to deal with whenever we embark on a rising up kind of mission. Once you've been anointed and once you've built your life on the foundations, it is called opposition. Everybody say opposition. It is the one thing all of us have to deal with. And in the time I have with you this morning, which is not a long left, I want to speak to you about how to deal with opposition. Because whenever you rise up, there will always be opposition. And most of us, when we talk about opposition, most of us perceive opposition to almost be like one big red light to our destiny. We almost see it like it's a red light, stop. I've got opposition, therefore I have to stop. There's an opposition in our family, in our business, in our marriage, in our church, and therefore just stop and wait till the opposition goes. But whenever I read the Bible, I don't see opposition as one big red light. Whenever you see opposition in the Bible, pretty much in every single book and in every single character, it normally means one big green light, which means go. That despite the opposition, you still go despite the opposition. And for Moses, like we read, there is opposition from all corners and God is like sure there's opposition called Pharaoh sure there's opposition in you and different things but the green the green light is on and the green light says go and I sense this morning that there is a light in your life that is is green for you it's not red for you it's green for you and it is saying go and even though we can see all of the opposition in the way even though we are embarking on Ben Nevis we, we, see the, we see the rain and we see the wind and we see the cold and we see the mountain and we see the scale of it. God is like, sure, you can still go. You can still do it. Opposition is going to be there, but you keep walking. That's why the Bible says, I think in Romans 8 verse 31, it says, if God is for us, then guess what? Who can be against us? What Paul is writing in in the book of Romans is you need to know if God is for you, then whatever opposition is against you, then it doesn't actually matter because if God is for you, then none of that opposition is going to be against you. Sure, the opposition will be there, but that's not to stop you. You can still continue despite the opposition. And God is saying, no matter what, Moses, I'm for you. I am with you. And I know some of you are here today and I can hear your brains ticking away. Some of your brains are ticking, responding, going, yeah, yeah, Dave, that's great. That's great, filled, God-filled, Pentecostal teaching, where it's just like opposition, go for it anyway. That's your personality, that's your sort of makeup, that's who you are. I can sense some of you sort of thinking that, but it's not so easy. And I understand it's not so easy to deal with opposition. Especially when opposition grows and opposition can get big and it can get scary and it can get painful, it can get hurtful. And many of you are dealing with that kind of opposition. And so you might think it's not so easy that and there's the tension in it. And the tension comes when you know that. The tension comes when you know there is opposition. You know how hard is it, how hard is it going to be. And you know that God can help you. And you know that God is with you. And you know that the light is still green. And you know the right thing to do is to keep moving forward. But the tension comes when Pharaoh does not move. The tension comes when the opposition that you are facing, which is returning to Egypt and to say, hey, let my people go. And when Pharaoh goes, no, (laughs) that's when the tension hits. When the house doesn't sell, 
When the sickness doesn't go away, when the situation doesn't improve, what then? How do you deal with opposition then? Because what opposition does is opposition wears you down. It wears you down. Opposition tires you out for those of you that go to the gym more than once a year. Some of you started your gym memberships on the 1st of January and you haven't been yet, but February is coming for you guys. It ties you out. So what opposition is, is resistance. And as you are lifting that weight, it ties you out, it burns you down. And, and, and you need reminding whenever you're getting tired because of the opposition, you need reminding, like we said a couple of weeks ago, you have been anointed for this. And last week we spoke about the confidence that needs to be refilled into your life because you are anointed for this. There is a confidence in you to rise up. And despite the resistance and despite the opposition, we can keep going. I don't know about you, but I love politics. I've got into politics in the last few years. Not that I want to be a politician, but I find it fascinating. And I do enjoy watching Question Time on a Thursday night. Anybody else with me? No. Okay. Uh, And I like seeing the sort of discussion around politics. But one thing I do like about politics is on a Wednesday at 12 o'clock, every Wednesday, there's something called Prime Minister's Questions. Has anybody watched that? (laughs) Prime Minister's Questions, okay? Where all of the MPs have an opportunity to ask the Prime Minister a question. She's put on the spot and she has to respond. Now, where the Prime Minister stands, if you've seen the Houses of Parliament, I hope you have, where she stands is what's called behind the dispatch box, okay? That is the box where she stands. And what she does is the current Prime Minister, Theresa May, or whoever is the next Prime Minister comes, delivers their speech. And what happens is the chamber is created in such a way that directly opposite the Prime Minister is the opposition party. Is that making sense? Are you with me, church, this morning? I can't, I'm not sure if you're listening or going to sleep or whatever, but the opposite, opposite the Prime Minister is the opposition party. So opposite the Prime Minister is not her own supporters, not her own party. It's the opposition at the moment. It's the Labour Party. So everything she is saying, she is getting opposed with what she is saying. And sometimes what you see them doing and saying, it's like crazy how mean they are and what they speak back and go, no, 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 no. And you're there going, it's such a different environment to what many of us are used to. But in there, it's like a hostile environment with the opposition. And I was thinking about it, and this real, the reality is the reason the chamber has been created like that is because democracy says that there should always be a resistance. Democracy, the part of the United Kingdom, a democratic society that we live in, says there should always be some form of opposition or some form of discussion against the political ideas to ensure that it is fair and just. Because otherwise, if we didn't have an opposition, any, the Prime Minister could just deliver what they want and there would be no suggestion or argument about it or agreement or, or any form of discussion about it. And so all sorts of laws would be getting passed. And so there is purpose in the opposition. And I want to say to some of you today, some of you, some of you look at the opposition and think it's all bad, but for some of you it's not bad. For some of you there is purpose in the opposition. And even though it looks mean and even though it looks a little bit ugly, there is still purpose in that opposition. 
Even though it's a little bit unfair, even though it doesn't make you feel that great, you need to know that there is probably some form of purpose in that opposition. And for some of you, it is essential to enable you to make the right decision, to choose the right option, to overcome something before that. And so some of you who are dealing with opposition right now, opposition might not be your enemy. (laughs) Maybe opposition is your friend today, despite the challenge of it. And I sense some of you today feel like you are standing at life's dispatch box only to see a huge opposition. And like I said, often it is mean, often it is unfair, often it is wrong, often it is not even true. But like the Prime Minister, you continue to stand and you continue to hold ground. That's why Ephesians 6 says, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand... Stand firm. Because what the Prime Minister does, when they look opposite, they see opposition. But when the Prime Minister looks to the left, or when the Prime Minister looks to the right, what they see is their support. And right now, you might be looking at something going, it's only opposition. But if you look to your left right now, and if you look to your right now, right now what you find is a whole lot of support. And what we found recently in the last couple of weeks ago when the Prime Minister had to face a vote of confidence in the Prime Minister's case, there is always more support for you, the majority, than the opposition in the minority. And the reason she won that vote, why, was because there was more votes in support of her than against her. And you need to understand something today, church, that whatever, how great the opposition may be, there is a more, there's a greater support for you in the majority than there is against you in the minority. You see, for Moses, all he sees opposite is Egypt. He sees Pharaoh. He sees the kingdom of Egypt. He sees sense size of the opposition. But yet God comes to the dispatch box to support. God comes to the side of Moses' dispatch box and says, Hey Moses, I'm with you. I'm going to support you. You see, what we have to deal with is with three types of opposition. Okay, All of us have to deal with three types of opposition. The first type of opposition is what I call internal opposition. Okay? Internal opposition, this is where you are your greatest opposition. (laughs) You are yourself your greatest opposition. It is in you. Look what it says in Exodus 3 verse 11. Moses says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Who am I? I don't have the ability to do that. Questions and doubts over his own identity. And they begin to make up. That, and they begin to make up that stuff within him that come to oppose ourselves. And Moses is like, who am I to do that? And before Moses even gets to Pharaoh, there is a resistance in him. And all of us have to deal with the opposition that is in us. That is in me and that is in you. And I love God's response to Moses. God's response to Moses because Moses says, who am I? But God responds by, by saying, I am who I am. He just reverses the words. He just reverses what Moses has said and said, you might not know who you are, but you need to know I know who I am and I am with you. And so wherever you go, I am with you. And so all of us have to deal, number one, with internal opposition. Number two, we have to deal with external opposition. External opposition, this is where your greatest opposition you cannot control. For Moses, it's Pharaoh. It's the king of Egypt. He has the power and he has the ability to resist me. And for some of you, your external opposition is your boss. It is your family member. It is a friend or an ex-friend. 
it is a bank, it is a business, but there is something opposing you. And external opposition is difficult because you may be pumped up, fired up and ready to go. But it doesn't mean that Pharaoh will just step aside. All of us have to deal with external opposition. And the third opposition that we deal with is what I call circumstantial opposition. Circumstantial opposition, this is where your greatest opposition isn't found in a human enemy, but it's found in a circumstantial blockage or a circumstantial difficulty. And and scholars believe that when Moses returned to Egypt to say to Pharaoh, let my people go, that there were 2.4 million Israelites in Egypt. I don't know about you, but I consider that a circumstantial opposition. (laughs) That's going to be a challenge. That is going to be a difficulty. And we all face all three of these opponents. And sometimes the higher you rise up, sometimes the greater the opposition. But Moses doesn't stay opposed. The only way to face opposition is to confront it head on. Because Moses is in Midian for 40 years he's there. And he's on a mission to deliver Israel out of Egypt. He could stay in Midian with his family where he's having a bit more of a relaxed environment. He could pray there. He could fast there. He could worship there. He could go to church there and say, God, deliver the Israelites. Thank you. I'm going to fast another day. Deliver the Israelites. God, I'm going to pray for the Israelites. Do what you can do and I'll just stay here in Midian. But no, there comes a point where Moses has to go to Egypt. And I want to prophesy into some of your lives today and say some of you need to go to Egypt. Some of you need to confront that opposition head on. Because you're spending a lot of time in Midian praying about it, thinking about it, fasting about it. But there comes a time when you have to sometimes attack it head on. And when you get to Egypt, I think there are three answers. Three things that you can use to help you with the opposition that you face. And I think Moses uses these three things. And I also think the prime minister uses these three three things. And I think these three things will help us in the opposition that we face. The first one is this. We have to learn how to use our voice. We have to learn how to use our voice. Our voice is powerful. Moses returns to Pharaoh and he says the famous words, let my people go. He says, let my people go. And in the times of opposition, it is the voice that leads. I don't know if you've seen the film by, uh, of Churchill that was out a couple of years ago. Winston Churchill showing him through the wars. What was amazing was when there was times of opposition in that war, what Churchill would do, he'd get on the speaker and he'd speak to the nation. Why? Because there was power in his voice. He knew that his voice had the ability to rise up against the opposition. And your voice is one of your greatest weapons against your opposition. And I know the Bible does say sometimes be silent. But I also love, the, I also love how often the Bible talks about the raising of your voice. In blind Bartimaeus, when he's there, the Bible says he's blind and Jesus walks by and he hears that Jesus is there. And blind Bartimaeus is opposed by blindness, but he starts using his voice. So I was saying, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he starts to use his voice. And the Bible says, many rebuked Bartimaeus and told him to be quiet. How many of you remember being at school and your teacher would say, this was a very frequent thing a teacher would say to me, David, can you sit down and be quiet? I don't know why. They'd say, can you sit down 
and be quiet. And many of you have experienced the same. People have always gone to you, shh, shh, sit down, be quiet. Sit down, be quiet. Who do you think you are? Sit down, be quiet. You're 12, sit down, be quiet. You're too old, sit down, be quiet. You have a failure, sit down, be quiet. You're too this, you're too that, sit down, be quiet. And many of you have heard that. But what I love about blind Bartimaeus, as they are telling him to be quiet, I love the Bible because blind Bartimaeus says, he shouted all the more. (laughs) Because whenever you rise up, there will always be someone else saying, sit down. But when they are saying sit down, you need to shout all the more. Your voice has power. The Bible says in Joshua chapter 6, and he says to the Israelites, he goes, we're not going to shout just yet. But what we are going to do is at the right time, we are all going to shout together as they circle the walls of Jericho. And at the right time, they lift up this shout. And guess what? Their opposition walls fall down. You need to use your voice. Number two, you need to use your authority. You have an authority. You are the prime minister. You are the prime, which means first. You're the first minister. And I haven't got time to get into the teaching on authority today. That's for another week. But the reason the prime minister has authority is because he or she has been given it. They haven't just taken it, they have been given it. And God gave authority to Moses and God has given authority to you. And Moses doesn't go as Moses to Pharaoh. Moses goes representing God to Pharaoh. You see, your authority comes from who sent you. Your authority is not just what you've developed and cultivated yourself. Your authority comes in who has established and who has sent you. And that is why in Exodus chapter 7 verse 1, it talks about, God says about Moses and he says, See, I have made you like a God to Pharaoh. Moses turns up to Pharaoh as insecure as he is, but God has put an authority in Moses. And so Pharaoh is beginning to see Moses like a God. Why? Because he is walking in the the authority of who God is. God is saying where you go, and when you go, you go as me. And whenever you go into work tomorrow, you go as God. You go in the authority of God. Here's the thing, a little thing about authority, which is just a little side note, which I think is helpful. Because you might be in a church and you might have had pastors or leaders who have sort of exerted authority incorrectly over your life. Here's what I've learned about authority. Authority hasn't been given to me, for me to have authority over you. Authority has been given by God to me to have authority for you. What I mean by that is, it's not to have all authority to lord it over somebody, to be heavy over somebody, so I'm authoritative over you. No, the authority that God gives is for purpose. It is for reason. It's not me authority over my kids just so that I can be over them. No, the authority that I have is for their benefit. And Moses comes with the authority of God for the benefit of the people of God. So you have to use your voice. You have to use your authority. And third and finally, you have to use your conviction. You have to use your conviction because Moses knew this, that the mistreatment of his people, of God's people was wrong. He sees the Israelites being beaten and being bruised when he was back in Egypt as one of the princes of Egypt. He sees it and you know what happens. He ends up 
killing an Egyptian worker for the way he's mistreated. And as a result of that, he escapes, he flees. And for 40 years, something's been percolating in Moses. This mistreatment is wrong. This mistreatment is wrong. Because Moses felt what God felt. And whenever your conviction is shared with God, that is your engine for your movement. Whenever your conviction is shared with God, God saw the mistreatment of his people. And Moses saw the mistreatment of his people. And for 40 years, it's percolating. There comes a point when God reveals himself through the burning bush. But if you don't do something with what is the conviction in you, it will do something to you. The reason you have a conviction is for a purpose. And what conviction does, conviction gives the roar to your voice. It is conviction when you sing, when you lead, when you speak, when you serve. It is that conviction. See, the singers up here today, they could just sing the songs or they can sing the songs with conviction. Today, if you wanted me to do, I could preach this message and read it out and just, you know, or I can preach it with a conviction. Because there's too much opposition in our world just to let it go by. I have to have the conviction that I share with God. And as the band come and close with me this morning, the Bible says, man, if you know it, Moses goes back and forth to Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no, let my people go. And a few times back and forth, there's just this, it's not going to happen. And then Moses eventually gets his staff that God says, we read, you're going to use this. And the same staff that God gave him is the staff that Moses, is used, Moses uses finally to perform the miracles, which ultimately leads to the release of the Israelites. I haven't got time to go into it, but the water goes red and there's plagues and there's frogs and there's chaos because of the staff that Moses has. Because God will always use what is in your hand to deal with your opposition. You don't need what you think you need. You have it already in you. And you have it with you right now what you need. And you know when it's God? Wow. When it is God, you will go to Pharaoh despite a no, despite a challenge, despite an opposition. But when it is God, if God is for you, then who can be against you? I close with this. You know the Bible says in the book of Acts that the church was facing opposition after opposition. And did you know when the greatest time of growth was for the church? (laughs) In that time of opposition. If you see around the world now when churches are opposed in Iran or Pakistan or years ago in China and there was opposition, that was in the greatest times of its growth and revival. Sometimes in the Western world, our churches have been so peaceful and easy and laid back. And we're wondering why we're not growing. Maybe it's because it's no opposition. And the Bible says in the book of Acts, there was opposition, but things began to grow. Why? Because opposition didn't amount to a shutdown. It, it amounted to an opening up. It didn't shut the church down. It opened the church up. And in Acts chapter 5, the Bible says the apostles were being persecuted hugely oppressed and when I say persecuted I don't mean like you know someone comments on your Facebook status <laughs> I mean beaten murdered killed kidnapped and in Acts chapter 5 I love this one of my favourite parts in the Bible 
They're all getting persecuted and there's this Pharisee stands up to say something in Acts 5 verse 35. He says he addressed the Sanhedrin. He said, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Because some time ago, Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. Listen to this. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. How powerful is that? That if it is from God, there's no point even opposing it. Why? Because God will win. And I want to encourage every single one of you to stand to your feet right now. Whatever opposition you are facing, if God is for you, then nothing and nobody can be against you. Nothing will be able to stop it. Nothing will be able to knock it down when God is in it, when God is with it. Wow, what an understanding of the power of God today. And with every eye closed in this place, if you're experiencing some level of opposition, it might be internal, it might be external, it might be circumstantial, but whatever it is, would you just raise your hand up in the air if that is you? I want to pray for you in this place. So many hands. God, you see these hands raised. I pray they begin to find their voice. God, I pray they begin to exercise their authority. And God, I pray and believe that you would use their voice. You would use their authority to have a conviction that wells up within them. That they can go to whatever Pharaoh it might be in their life and they can say, let my people go. Let this be released. Let this open up in the name of Jesus because God, you are for us. And God, if you are for us, then who can be against us? So for all the things that as a church we are believing to rise up in this year, whatever is opposing that, God, if it is not from you, then God, I thank you that we look to the left and we look to the right and we see you supporting us despite whatever in front of us we might be looking at. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 